This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust. Welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin. In the last episode, we gazed over Belfast from the windswept peaks of Divis and the Black Mountain. In this episode, you'll be hearing from one of Divis and the Black Mountain's most dedicated walkers. My name's Edward Paul Clark, but people know me as Ned. I've been coming up the mountain here for about three, almost three decades. I don't know where it was to do with freedom. For some reason, I just enjoyed me in the mountain and nature, of course, you know. Around about March, the little bird that flies and all the time he's in the air, he's singing, the Skylark. When you're on your own, they would follow you singing up above you, all the way up, and then just soar away. Whether they were leading you away from their nests or not, I don't know, that's what I think, you know. That wasn't anything personal between the Skylark and me, you know. I worked in London, lived in London for 25 years. My job, which was jackhammer work on the roads, opening up the roads. I had about 18 months off because of the accident. 50 odd superficial wounds, broken toes and stuff like that. So I couldn't really do my job. So uh, I come home here to Belfast and started up my own wee business. But I was very physical and nothing you say. I used to do boxing training and swimming. So somebody suggested, why don't you go up walking? You know, you never think about walking in London because of the traffic and the fumes and stuff like that. So I said, I must try it. So I come up with my brother one time and he showed me basically the best walks and all that. So he dropped out then after a lot of weeks and I just started coming up on my own three times a week. You've got to remember, I lived right in the centre of London, 200 yards from Trafalgar Square. Over there, everything is what my mother would have called all go-go, you see? And then I used to come up here. There was no go-go in me. After I'd done the walking and the, the adrenaline and all that, all you want to do is just sit down and look where you are and just enjoy it. It was just such an enjoyable experience and it never seemed to go away. And I think that's what drew me back and back and back. I think it was 1990 and 91, whatever had happened, there was a few explosions and there was army everywhere in the tension. You could have cut it with a knife, you know. This was Belfast in the times when we were having the troubles, which is probably why I kept running to the divots. <laughs> There's no such thing as troubles disappearing, but they certainly go away for a while when you're up here. You know, it's so 
it's sort of lifts a burden off you, you know. And you say to yourself, funny enough, how can all that be going on down there? Look, you know, when people could take a walk up here and experience the same thing as what I'm experiencing. That was the night after the celebrations for the uh, the Battle of the Boyne, it's called. The Protestant side of the community all used to celebrate by lighting bonefires. Midnight of uh, the 11th, and so as it tied in with the 12th of July and that for the celebrations. It was really early that morning, you know, I think I was awake at five o'clock and I went up and over the river and up and then away up the top of the Divis. Where you could see Belfast down below and all you could see was the remainder of the fires, the smoke just billowing up into the sky. And for some reason or other, uh, I wasn't looking for any inspiration for writing poems on any of But I dug down into my, my wee bag, which I always carried with me, and I just wrote about, you know, the fires. The poem was in there. All I had to do is rearrange it, or added it, as you would call it, you know? This is what I got out of that morning. High upon a mountain on the 12th of July, I saw the smoke of a dozen fires die. Dawn was just breaking, the air was so sweet, as the sun cast its rays on the hills at my feet. The sky was so clear as I wandered back down from the peace and tranquility to the turmoil of town. I've wrote all sorts of wee things over the years, but uh, that one always sticks in my mind, obviously for the relationship of the Tivis, you know. Nobody ever asked me to, to uh, oh, I would enjoy that, I'll come up walking with you. And I didn't encourage it. See, the army was based up there at the top, you know. I suppose a strategic position, you see, one of the highest points in Belfast, you know. It was a bit treacherous. I always sort of went clockwise, you see. When I got to the top, I just sat down, there was a big stone up there. And I just used to sit down, the dog was sat beside me. This particular day, I'll come up over the mountain. And it, I don't know whether shock, shock would be the proper description, you know, but I was certainly stunned a bit at seeing these other two guys, you know. And they were not walking directly towards me, but they were walking in my, my way anyway. And uh, I was off the beaten track and then the tallest of the two, he come over and he says, hello, stranger, or something like that. And I says, uh, that's ditto. I says, you're a stranger too. And he says, I thought this mountain belonged to me. And he says, uh, I thought exactly the same. The taboo question here is, where are you from? Now, I think Tom and Bob were from the Protestant side of the community, you know? We never talked about it. Why would you, you know? The last thing anybody needs up the Devis Mountain is talking politics, you know? But we got to know one another, the three of us. We kept meeting and uh, talking and having a chat uh, something like five or six years, you know? And uh, it was good in the end. That was, I think that was the start of having to get used to other people being on the mountain, you know, which is good, you know. When the trust took over, and they were advertising and all that, you know, and 
the National Trust owns the Devisbet and stuff like that. And now uh, there's people come up, we're proms and youngsters and all that. And uh, I said, hey, what do you think? She says, oh, it's great, it's absolutely great. I've lived here all my life and I've never been up the Divis Mountain or the Black Mountain. And uh, it was the wee pass like that one we were on there. It's only a wee small one from the visitor centre. Nine tenths of a mile it is. So uh, even if you were disabled, you know, you could come up around there and, and then back into the visitor centre for a cup of tea or a coffee like that, you know. The Heath Walk, that's for the walkers who want a wee bit of remoteness. But the Thunder Ridge Walk, and honest it is, by far the most busy and the most popular were all the, uh, the, the walkers, you know, and they, they love it, so that they, you know. The thousands of people that come up here during the course of a year, the many people that get the same kind of kicks out of it as I do, you know. Liz, my wife, she's a teacher down in the Titanic Quarter, and she's going to retire. And uh, hopefully the two of us will see a, a wee bit of Italy. Well, well, a lot of Italy. We've been to Italy three or four times. There's a wee place called Monte Catini in Italy. And uh, I forget what you call this contraption, but it's sort of like a, a bus on railway tracks. And it goes away up and, and the, the top of Monte Catini in the mountains. And you want to see the beauty there, like all the way down to the coast, to the sea, you know. And the, you know, the shimmering, you know, the sun shimmering and all that. But uh, you always want to get back to the Divis, you know. Not because the Divis is better. I suppose it's because it's mine, you know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the National Trust podcast. I'm really sad to say this because this in fact is the last episode of series three. In this series, we've been all over the UK. We've stood on waterfall bridges in North Wales, we've counted puffins on the Farne Islands and delved into William Morris's passion for patterns and politics at Red House. We're gonna be taking a short break now to plot our adventures for series four. But in the meantime, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and contact us on podcasts at nationaltrust.org.uk if you have any suggestions or thoughts regarding future episodes. Until next time, goodbye. This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust.